Good morning. My name is David Hinkle and I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to have you in this place worshiping God together. Aren't children great? Man, how many of you were dedicated to the Lord in some form or fashion uh, as, a, as an infant or as a, as a young child? Uh, several hands have gone up. It is a great moment of offering a child back to the Lord saying, we want uh, your kingdom to come in the life of this child. And we want this child to be lifted up to you, Lord, that you would accomplish your purpose in the life of this child. And that is awesome stuff. And I'm glad it's one of the practices we use as a church. Uh, we had at the five o'clock a whole line of families and, you know, each child was was dressed in a very cute outfit, and they just kind of went one at a time. And, uh, you know, as they went across the stage, someone was tired or hungry or something. And, you know, you kind of cheer for that in a really dark way when you're sitting where you're sitting. It's like, <laughs> because there was a child who clearly did not appreciate the moment that was happening for her or him. Children are great. Until they get hard, until they get whiny, right? And then it's a challenge. So we kind of secretly relish moments like that when uh, they're supposed to be calm and quiet. Children don't have any grid for an occasion. They're just going to act out how they want to. And that's just what they do. Do you know that the people of God are referred to perhaps most frequently as the children of God? We are the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're his people. And like uh, the children that we're dedicating to the Lord, God loves us always. But sometimes we can be difficult, hard, and whiny. I think when you and I came into this place, we came in desiring similar things. If you know Christ, you have a desire within you to walk with Him, to have a life of value and of meaning in knowing Him, understanding who He is, and being like Jesus. It is a tough challenge to sustain when you are away from the address of 6800 Southwest 10th Avenue where you sit right now. So we gather to this place for mutual encouragement to worship God together and then to be sent out because it's hard to live out this life of following Jesus. Even though there's the reality that those of us who know Christ, we are filled with him. We have his Holy Spirit that is leading and guiding us. All of that is true. But yet I've heard it said that wherever you go, there you are. We kind of take ourselves with us wherever we go. And some of those sins that cling to us are there with us, and it's difficult. There's a group of followers of Jesus who, they had Jesus with them. In the flesh, he was there present with them. They're called the disciples, these 12 followers that Jesus called by name. And even though they had him with them, they still found it difficult to understand fully the Christian life they were called to live. And we're going to take a look at one of these occasions of Jesus with his 12 disciples. I'd like for you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. The Gospel of Mark is the second of four Gospels in the New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
This has been our teaching series and we'll remain in this series right up through Palm Sunday. But we're in Mark 9, verses 33 through 37. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read through this, um, tell you where we're headed, and then we're going to go through this verse by verse in a moment. But let me read this. Mark 9, verses 33 through 37. It says, And they came to Capernaum. And when he, Jesus, was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Jesus makes it very clear what his call is to them. There was a fierce debate that had welled up amongst the disciples. And Jesus lays it out. If you want to be great, if you want to be first, you must be last. You must have the perspective and the position of humility. Viewing others as more significant than yourselves. You perhaps knew that already when you walked in here. That a follower of Christ should be someone who serves other people willingly. So for some of you, this is going to be a reminder message. Because the truth is, we have a difficult time maintaining a perspective of servanthood in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces. There is something in the way, and it is ourselves. We get in our own way. So from this passage, I want to show that we can, we can do this. We can keep this perspective of being a servant to all. We can be a servant to all by remembering two truths and a lie. You ever played that game, two truths and a lie? Well, from this passage, there will be two truths that we'll look at. But then we'll need to address a lie that all of us can buy into that gets in our way. But we can do this. And this passage will help us. Look back at verse 33. Mark 9. It says, And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? Underline the word discussing. Put it in brackets or circle it. Put some kind of star. Maybe draw a line out to your margin. This is not some kind of healthy chat. What did you do Friday? Did you have a nice evening? This was a fierce debate. They felt like something was at stake. They had differing opinions and emotions were high. And they were arguing with one another. They weren't figuring it out and they were discussing these matters. What were they discussing? It says, but they kept silent. You ever confronted a child who they knew that you knew what they were doing and they were wrong and you called them on it and they go silent? What were you guys discussing along the way? 
And they were silent, for on the way they had argued. And there's the, there is the image that helps you understand the discussing word. They argued with one another about who was the greatest. They did not yet know about Muhammad Ali. Why would they do this? These are men who are walking with Jesus. And sometimes we can, we can come down hard on the disciples and think, man, why didn't they get it? They had him with them. Well, when Jesus first came on the scene, he came on the scene as a rabbi. He was a rabbi that was, that was um, told, people were exclaimed about him that he taught as one with authority. That idea of a rabbi teaching with authority meant they had a new interpretation of Scripture. Most rabbis of the day came, came up following another rabbi, and so they taught that rabbi's particular philosophy or set of interpretation. They would be Hishmaelites. Triassians. But when someone came with the unique teaching, the people said, oh, this is one with authority, someone with a new teaching. And Jesus called his disciples to follow him. And they thought, we're going to follow this incredible rabbi. But then Jesus began casting out demons in his name. Then he began healing the lame. He healed a man with a withered hand. He gave the blind sight. He set the, the ears of the deaf open. And the disciples seeing this were going, wow, he is like one of the great prophets of old. So he was a great teacher. Now he's this great prophet. And then in Mark chapter 8, we have the moment that changes the entire gospel of Mark. It is the hinge verse. And it's the moment where Jesus asks his 12 disciples and he says, who do you say that I am and who are people saying I am? And they said, well, some are saying you're a great teacher. Others are saying you're Elijah reborn. Others are saying you're a great prophet. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And it was the apostle Peter who spoke up and he said, you are the Christ. And that is the moment that the book of Mark changes. Because upon that profession, Jesus says in one of the other Gospels, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this proclamation of my faith, of your faith in me as the Christ, I will build my church. And then Jesus begins to say, and so I'm going to die. I'm going to lay my life down. And the disciples did not understand because in their mindset, the coming Messiah would be an earthly king and he would reign on earth, that time, that was their expectation, that was their hope. You are the Christ. You're going to set up your kingdom. You're going to overthrow Rome. Did you know that there are specific prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled about the people of God, the people of Israel, that if they will respond to Jesus by faith, that there is actually regions of land marked out for them, 12 regions. The disciples could do the math. 12 regions, 12, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 2, 3, Hey, I mean, there's 12 of us. He's the Christ. Who's going to have the most area to oversee? Who's going to be at his right? Who's going to be at his left? 
You think it could be one of us? I think it should probably be me. I mean, I'm just saying. He called me first, so. And there was a debate about, because they thought that was his purpose. See, they understood that he was the Christ. They did not yet understand Jesus is God. And they wanted to be great. They wanted to be greater than what they had already had. Don't you understand? Jesus had already sent them out by twos in his name and they were able to do incredible things. But their human condition desired more, more, more. We like adding ER to things. Sure, we like to be rich, but isn't it better to be richer? We like to be quick, but isn't it better to be quicker? Wealthier. That's the human condition. We see what we have, but the thing that is true about us is we want what we want, but remain unfulfilled. We want what we want, but remain unfulfilled. This is the first truth from this passage. We see it clearly in the disciples. They have been walking with the Messiah, but still they wanted something greater. We want what we want but we remain unfulfilled in the things that we want. This is true about us. Take a look at this screen. You can now buy likes and followers. For $10, you can buy 1,000 likes. Or followers. For $800, you can purchase 100,000 followers. Have you ever wondered why there's such a, uh, so many fake accounts out in Facebook and different things like that? It's because companies have figured out that you will buy them to be liked. To help you, your brand, your name climb the trend topic tier. There are fake accounts being created by the hundreds of thousands that we will purchase so that we can become greater. We can become more known in social media. We should not be surprised at this. It is our human condition. I was reminded of this in my own life on Friday night. We had gone to eat at El Magwe and we had finished our dinner there and um, my son wanted to go into the game shop. And I can't blame them, right? And so we go into Game Central, I think it's called, and my wife went to CJ Max. May the Lord bless her in doing that. But we walk into this Game Central store and, and instantly my son goes right over to the Xbox 360 games and he's like, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. And I'm like, come on, ease it back there. And then I began to realize that that store is an entire history of the lineage, lineage of my video game history. And so I was able to walk over to the original Nintendo cartridges and I'm like, I had that and I had that. I, you know what? I never, I never had that one. I always wanted that. And then when, as you move through the store, it's a progression through history because then you get the better game systems. I didn't ever have that one. I knew I would have been so much happier had I had that. And then you get to the game system and then you got Xbox 360s and 720s and 1080s and all that kind of stuff. But that store is a living example of a truth about me that I've wanted those and I wanted what I wanted, but 
there was never a time that I got fulfillment from finishing a video game. There was just another one to purchase. This is true about us. And I'm going to use an illustration with you that will probably, I mean, it's really to help K-State fans. Okay. Our condition is very similar to this balloon. When we acquire or when we achieve, we begin to inflate. And so we get that first car. We're like, wow, life was pretty good. And we get that job. And then we get the girl. We get accolades, we get rewards, we, we fill, we achieve, we apply our Midwestern all-American work ethic and we build our brand, we build our name. And then we find out the girl was not faithful. Or in our work, you've been in your role for 20 years and they advance someone else who's been there shorter than you because they're a better fit for the company than you've been. And now you're stuck Your car door breaks and you have to get it replaced and then you get it replaced and it doesn't quite seal right and you got to take it back next week because you have a Chevy Malibu. That's what I got to do this next week. This is truly the human condition. All of our achievements... They do not fill us. They expand us. But they do not merit us anything that actually fills the void of our lives. And there are people that are so overinflated, their life is about to pop. And they're going to be left with nothing. And then there are those of you who have just been walking through life like this. Absolutely deflated. Defeated. And now you're just giving up. Going through the motion. And this is our human condition. We want what we want, but we remain unfulfilled. The wisest man who has ever lived, his name is King Solomon, and he wrote in Ecclesiastes 2.17, after he did a survey, an evaluation of everything that he acquired, he acquired possessions, he acquired people, he acquired women, he had everything at his fingertips that he could possibly fill the void in his life. And this is one of his conclusions. He said, I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. We want what we want, but remain unfulfilled. We cannot fill the void and the emptiness in our life. We need something from outside of us. And Jesus says this to his disciples. It says, and he sat down and called the 12. When you're given little details like this, don't read too quickly past them. This is the very first time in the gospel of Mark that Jesus is said to have sat down. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a sit down? 
This occasion is in all, is in the three of the first gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It was something so significant that three separate writers of the gospel included it. Jesus sat down with them. And he tells them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus turns greatness on his head. He was the first person in the, in the history of the world to embody humility. Greatness is defined by being the least of all, serving everyone else. And in verse 36, it says, And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So Jesus speaks the truth and he calls the disciples away from their debate. But he reminds them that where everything starts... It starts by receiving him. And this is our second truth. Christ gives what we need, but must be received. Our condition, we want the things that we want, but it is only Christ who gives what we need. I really wanted to have a water hose up here so I could fill this out and, uh, and make the, those on the first few rows very nervous. But this balloon cannot hold its form until it's filled. And the human condition is the same. We cannot be who God has purposed us to be. We cannot live out what God has called us to live out unless we have been filled by Him. He is the substance of our lives. And it is Christ alone. Look at this verse in John 1, 12 to 13. The Apostle John wrote, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you are walking through this life, feeling an emptiness, feeling a question of your purposelessness, you need Jesus. He alone gives what you need. To receive him means to agree with the Bible about who Jesus is and what he's done. The Bible clearly states that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We need a savior. We need someone to fill us because we cannot fill ourselves. To receive Jesus means to agree with the truth of scripture about who he is and what he's done. Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sin. He paid the penalty of our sin. To think greater of yourself is a sin. To think less of yourself is a sin. To act out against other people is a sin. When your child, even though it's so cute when they first begin to to speak, say, Mine! Mine! 
It is a sin. And that sin has created a separation between us and God that only God himself could heal. And because of his great love for us, God demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in our place. So you can have a fresh start. You can move out of emptiness and be filled with the love of God and the spirit of God. If you would agree with this, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe that savior is Jesus alone. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the dead and I love him. My friends, if that is your profession of faith or if you came in saying that is what I want, that is all it takes. And if that is your faith, if that is what you believe and this is the first day you have, you have made that claim, you can let us know. Every one of you should have a worship guide. And at the bottom of that, on that tear-off card, there's a place that I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. A great next step is to let us know that. Take it to the Welcome Center. Let people know, I want Jesus. And we will help you. Because it all begins with Him. He alone gives what we need, but He will not force Himself upon us. We must receive Him. First Peter says this, chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is real and true joy of following Christ. I found Jesus when I was nine years old. I was that good kid. I was that good hinkle kid. And I was good for goodness sake because of what goodness could get. And I didn't know what to do when I was confronted with the truth that being good was not enough. I was confused. But then I understood that someone who could only do what he could do died for me. And he accomplished it. For me. And I placed my faith in him as a child. And now as a follower of Jesus, I have access to forgiveness. I have access to joy in the midst of whatever life circumstances happen to me. And life happens to everybody. Whether you know and follow and love Jesus or not, life happens to everyone. But with Christ, you have everything you need to face this life with hope of what is to come. The Christian life is not wishful thinking. It is something that is lived out with certain hope. Inexpressible joy. And we are, did you see the word in that passage? Filled. We no longer have to feel overinflated or deflated. We are filled by the work of Christ. For some of you, this may be new news and I want you to know and follow and love Jesus. For many of you, you came in here knowing Christ already. So I want to let you know that there is a lie that we will face as soon as we step away from this address. And that lie is this, that I am too blank 
to serve. God should choose someone else. When we are confronted with the reality of our own brokenness or our own limitations, we often take the road of self-selecting us out of the game. I see it frequently in marital relationships where a man is the spiritual leader, whether he likes it or not. He is leaving, he is having a spiritual impact. And there are so many men that feel they are too far behind their wife when it comes to knowing Christ and knowing the Bible. I can't be what she needs. I'm too blank to serve her. I'm too far behind. I'm too ignorant. I didn't have her same upbringing and I I can't do it. I'm too blank to serve. God should choose someone else. And this is a lie that is just dangling out like a carrot that that our enemy would love for us to buy into. Man, you're just too, you're just too blank. The truth is, is that if we aren't the first to go last, God can use someone else. But we have no right to declare ourselves insufficient. What do you think the Apostle Peter might have felt after he betrayed the risen Christ three times? You think he had something in his blank? Jesus is always the answer to give us what we need. And that is why three times he went to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He says, Peter, second time, do you love me greater than these? Peter said, yes. He says, tend my lambs. A third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter wept. Yes, I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. That is the way out of the blank. And you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I love you. I love you alone. I am who you have made me to be. A person of your grace. And you are enough. Therefore, I can feed sheep. Therefore, I can step down. You are enough. Therefore, I will serve. And that, my friends, is the Christian life. If you are out of the game, that is how you come back in. You reaffirm your love for Jesus and you step down for other people. I don't know why I'm yelling. Look at this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. It says, do nothing from rivalry. That's the disciples. Who will be greater? Who will get the promotion? Who will get the the most Twitter followers and likes? Who can retweet me? Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Conceit is thinking too much of yourself or too less. It's just thinking of yourself too much. Do nothing from that. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. 
He has given us a new mindset. We keep His greatness at the forefront. And then we seek to be the first to go last. Be the first to go last. If you have received Jesus, you are called to advance his name. We do that most effectively when we meet the pressing needs around us and we bring the good news of Jesus with us and we call people to a response to his work in his name. Be the first to go last in your workplaces, in your home. Some of you hate going to work. You can't wait till you can punch the clock. Others of you feel the very same way about your house. And you've forgotten that you've been placed there for a high and holy calling to advance the name of Jesus. Be the first to go last. You pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you stepped down for us. You came into our condition. You limited yourself to die in our place. Thank you. You have accomplished what we cannot. Lord, forgive us when we are caught up in the things that we want, but leave us unfulfilled. But thank you that you give us everything we need and we receive it. Lord, help us to trust your greatness over our deficiencies. May we serve others in your name. Amen.